0: Well, hello and welcome to Herd Mentality with Jimmy O, our brand new podcast show with everything Sioux Falls Stampede related. So we welcome all of you in Stampede country and those listening around. Uh, We're going to have some fun with this. This is a show that uh, we'll be doing a couple times each month. It'll be featuring some Stampede coaches, some Stampede players. We'll definitely be talking to some Stampede alumni players uh, uh, throughout the season as well. So just a show that's going to be fun, talking about your favorite USHL team in the Sioux Falls Stampede and uh, excited to be back. It's been a while since uh, we've had a podcast show, so uh, debuting this new one here today, the inaugural Herd mentality with Jimmy O. Thanks to our friends uh, with Pull Tab Sports, we're part of the Pull Tab Sports family, and uh, excited to uh, partner with them to be able to bring you these podcasts each and every month. We also want to welcome and thank our friends from Jimmy's Salad Dressings and Dips. Part of the show here, of course. Oh, delicious dips that Jimmy's has. Jimmy's Ranch, great name, by the way. Jimmy's Ranch Vegetable Dip, Jimmy's Dill Vegetable Dip, Jimmy's Spinach Vegetable Dip, and Jimmy's Holy Smoke Smoke Dip and Spread. And uh, they like to group the ranch dill spinach as the hat trick of dips or top identity line of dips. These are Jimmy's staples for sensible snacking, as we... uh, Head out of the holiday season, but there's always time for snacking now that, uh, you know, football playoffs are going to be here. Uh, it's time to start thinking about those snacks and getting uh, ready for all the f- the uh, family and friends you're going to have over and have some fun. Those are your go-to Dips or uh, appetizers, as we like to say, uh, each with their own specific set of skills. So let's look at them. Jimmy's Ranch Vegetable Dip, creamy and craveable. Uh, There are people who will put ranch on just about anything. This dip will make you one of them. We've also got Jimmy's Dill Vegetable Dip, versatile. Dill Dip has yet to meet a vegetable it doesn't like. And Jimmy's Spinach Vegetable Dip made with spinach, onions, and water chestnuts for that one-of-a-kind taste. And, of course, don't forget the uh, wild card the uh, cool uncle that's the holy smoke smoke dip and spread delicious from our friends from jimmy's salad dressings and dips we're going to kick the show off here uh welcoming in tony gasparini he's the general manager of the sioux falls stampede and uh tony of course was uh, part of the inaugural stampede staff uh way back in 1999 he helped to, with bob motsko hired him he was a uh, Assistant Coach with uh, with Mr. Motsko and uh, was a big part in putting the Stampede franchise together way back in 1999. Um, Then ended up uh, becoming head coach uh, after Bob left. Was uh, uh, the youngest head coach general manager in USHL history at just age 25. He'd eventually go on to uh, Union College for a couple of years and then. Ended up with the L.A. Kings, where he spent over 15 years with the Los Angeles Kings, including um, two Stanley Cup titles. So, yeah, pretty good background. Uh, His dad, uh, of course, uh, legendary head coach of North Dakota, Gino Gasparini, and uh, coached there for many years, also was a USHL commissioner. So uh, we're excited to have him on the show. Uh, We're going to talk today... A little bit of everything. We want to get Tony's background. Want to talk about uh, his early Playing days growing up, what was it like playing uh, in growing up in Grand Forks? Uh, your dad's a legendary head coach. What's that like, trying to, to play youth hockey? And um, your dad's a well-known, respected coach. And then, uh, you know, moving on. he uh, Tony was a goaltender, for those who don't know. Ended up playing at the University of Minnesota Duluth. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Talk about his family, um, his time with the Kings, and uh, what that looked like of, of scouting and his role with the Kings. And then ultimately coming back to Sioux Falls. What brought him back here to Sioux Falls? What does he want to do with the Stampede? What are some of the changes that he's making to make uh, this uh, Stampede franchise get back to where we want it all to be here uh, and is already trending in that direction as we move back up the standings? So we'll talk to Tony all about that here. It is Herd Mentality with Jimmy O, and it starts right now. All right, and uh, the third time is the charm here on the uh, Herd Mentality Podcast because finally uh, able to get my my first guest in. The the first two times we were uh, stopped by snow, finally we found a day that didn't snow. And I want to welcome in Tony Gasparini, general manager of the Sioux Falls Stampede. Tony, you're the first ever guest on Herd Mentality Podcast, so you should be honored. And uh, it took a while, but I'm glad we could get you in here. Well, I'm so happy
1: to be here, Here and... uh... Like I said, uh, I'm the best
0: so far. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we have we have not had a better guest yet than than you. Um, you know, we're we're excited here, uh, obviously, with the stampede. You know, uh, as we record this early January, um, and and things are starting to turn the corner. I want to talk uh, about the team, but uh, l- let's kind of just go uh, from the beginning. And obviously, you've got a. Uh, quite a hockey background. Just let's go back and tell us a little bit about your family growing up. Uh, obviously, uh, um, your, your last name is pretty familiar to, to the hockey community. So tell us a little bit about your family life growing up and, uh, and um, you know, all, all that kind of went through your childhood to, to playing hockey.
1: Yeah, well, I grew up in a hockey family. Uh, my father was a uh, head coach. He was an athletic director and head coach at the University of North Dakota for – 17 years, which basically went through all of my childhood. And uh, I grew up in the rink, around the rink, and uh, ended up you know, playing high school hockey and playing hockey throughout my, my youth and into high school in, in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, then came to this league and played two years in the United States Hockey League and another four or five years at the University of Minnesota Duluth. So uh, I've been, this game has been part of my life since I've, been a young young child and even when uh during my college years when i when i looked at other alternatives towards working and moving on it just kind of pulled me back in and the next thing i know i'm a 22 year old assistant coach here in sioux falls so it, it's really been full circle uh, throughout my career coming back to sioux falls
0: your dad, obviously, uh, well known in, in North Dakota and uh, across the USHL too, is also former USHL commissioner. What was it like, you know, growing up with, with him? And because uh, he was kind of a, a hard nosed coach, a, a fun guy to play for, but uh, he knew how to win. Uh, how about as a dad? Was it? Uh, uh,
1: did he give you tips uh, throughout your childhood on, on how to play and be a better player? You know what? Uh, he he was hands off. Um... Probably the definition of tough love, Jim. (laughs) But uh, you know what? There was one thing. He he was very good, especially when I got into the high school years and it looked like I had an opportunity to play beyond high school. Uh, He was obviously very supportive and 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 very constructive uh, had a lot of con- constructive criticism on things that I need needed to do and how I needed to do it. but I was very fortunate in one right in in one respect, I should say. I was fortunate that because my dad was was a head hockey coach at the University of North Dakota and that building and that that program has is synonymous with always bringing players back in throughout the summer months, I got to watch and see a lot of, top-end players that played at North Dakota, I got to watch and see how they prepared. I got to watch and see how they trained. I got to skate with them at nights because someone always needed a goaltender. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was very fortunate in which he didn't have to show me the path other sure. than say, you know what, this is – follow this guy. Watch how hard he works and, and and watch how he trains in the summer. It's not that he's not having fun, but he's also there at 8 in the morning every single day in his, work, in his weird – his weight training went till 11 a.m. and then he went and had uh, lunch and then he went and did his stretching and then he went and did his stuff and then he went and played golf with you so like (laughs) it was it was something that I got to see firsthand and and I think that um, that work ethic and that that drive towards uh, being committed towards a schedule and and having a purpose and how you do things I think that kind of was formidable and how I approached whether it be school or mm-hmm. work or any any job that I've had thus far
0: how about uh, just growing up as a as a kid I would imagine you were probably around the team a little bit uh, what was that like for for a youngster getting a chance to, you know obviously North Dakota pretty well known for college hockey that's a, a college hockey hotbed and uh, probably got to watch quite a few pretty talented players as you were growing up I'd imagine. I
1: did it was I was quite fortunate I was in the stands and and uh, all the time and uh, around the teams and on certain times, uh, especially growing, you know, through my elementary and, and junior high years in which there was always open ice at certain points in time. And my mom at that time would drop me off and I got to take advantage of the extra ice. So it, it, was, it was fun to get to know some of, those, some of the, the former players and players that were there. And as I became older, I became friends with quite a few of them.
0: Any, any player that sticks out from your time that uh, that you always remember?
1: Yeah, you know what? I had a special relationship with Ed Balfour. Ed Balfour only played one year at the University of mm-hmm. North Dakota, yet is a proud, proud alum of the University of North Dakota. And every summer he came back. And because I was a goaltender, and as was he, uh, there were, what, two, to no, there were three summers in a row in which for a month every day or four days a week he would pick me up at 5.30 in the morning every morning and they have a puck shooting machine there so we, you need two people to work it so sure. he and i did that for oh, cool. a month each each summer and he became uh, a mentor and he, he's to this day i ran into him up in grand forks oh, 2 years ago and he came and grabbed me and had a big hug and we talked about it and uh, quite a quite a competitive person and um, you know, which is why he had so much success, and he's a Hall of Famer.
0: Yeah, that's a cool. That's a it's a good guy to to know, and obviously, yeah, had a had an unbelievable NHL career as well. Um, you mentioned playing goalie, so I'm curious, um, how did that come about to, to be goalie, and was that something that did mom and dad try to talk you out of it or was that something they were supportive from, from the get go? Cause I know now being a hockey parent, it's kind of like, uh, I've got a youngster. He wants to play goalie and I'm like, eh, I don't think you really want to play goalie. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it's uh, you know what? It's kind of a personal story. Uh, I, I was born with, with club feet and they were um, about the 95th percentile in regards to severity. And when I was in grade seven, I missed a whole year of hockey because I completely reconstructed both feet. and when I came back in the spring that was um, it was the easiest position because I didn't have to sure. skate very much. So I became a goalie in grade seven so it wasn't by choice, and <laughs> nor would I do it again. I don't know what I was thinking,
0: <laughs> but uh, it, it allowed you to stay in hockey, and and obviously an opportunity to 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 make some memories. And and you made the best of it. You obviously had a a pretty lengthy career too.
1: Yeah, I, I got lucky. I, I really did. I was I was fortunate to be put in some good spots, and and um, worked very very hard to become a Division One athlete. Uh, you ended up going to, to
0: Duluth, um, obviously back in the old WCHA days, North Dakota, Duluth kind of rivals, uh, um, you said, you know, dad's kind of hands off. Was, was he kind of your blessing to, to go do something else and, and maybe get out of town? Was that a difficult decision for you or was that just the, the best fit going to Duluth? You
1: know what? It was, it was one, it was the best fit Two. it was, uh, the year that I entered in college was my dad's last year. Sure. Oh, of okay. Coaching yep. college. So. It was it was it kind of worked out very very well. Had a great experience up at Duluth. Uh, Played for Mike Surtich during that time. Uh, Opened a lot of doors on the bench. That's what my job was. (laughs) Didn't get to play a ton, but uh, very fortunate to be part of that uh, that program and and university. What
0: uh, as a former goalie, do you do you still have you have a little special? spot in your heart for goaltenders do you find yourself obviously uh, you're scouting you're looking um do you feel like it's a little different watching goalies than others or is it still just kind of like uh, any other position to you
1: it's like any other position but obviously because you played the position it, it's an area of uh a specialty uh, that you get uh you get thrust into in regards to the evaluation process during la i was always the one that along with our goalie coaches I was always the one that would have to go out and watch all the goaltenders that were prospective drafts during this time you know now taking over here I'm pretty particular in regards to what types and what what we're looking for in regards to goaltenders so uh very fortunate right now we have Brandon Wildung on our staff who's a former goaltender and he he has taken it from he is a he has taken it from the coaching aspect which is very very technical now compared to it's far more technical than it was when I was playing. However, he's learning from the value uh, from an evaluation standpoint, the differences and how you blend those two and try to get uh, uh, towards picking and, and choosing the best ones for your organization.
0: Okay, so uh, going back, you you're, you're get done with with college. Um You know, you started your career here in Sioux Falls, which is obviously a unique story. Um, Tell us about how did that come about? Uh, Obviously, you're you're, uh, very close now with Bob Motzko, but um, was this something that was surprising? Were you looking? Did you know you wanted to kind of get into coaching? Because obviously, we're talking right out of school here. You're still pretty young.
1: Yeah, it was. uh, Like I said, uh, just when he thought that I was out of hockey, (laughs) it pulled me back in and and, uh, um I was fortunate enough to have a couple of opportunities uh, to coach uh, immediately out of college hockey and one of those was with my Casings, who I was helping scout with the Omaha Lancers and the other one was with then a brand new expansion franchise in Sioux Falls and uh, Bob and I spent some time together uh, in the spring of that year my senior year after I was done um, and we just clicked, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. I not only came helped build an organization from a from the ground up at that point in time. Sioux Falls was a brand new expansion team, uh, but also met one of my best friends in hockey and in life. Uh, you, you get an opportunity
0: in Sioux Falls. You mentioned you know it's an expansion team. So, what was that process like? putting together a team and uh, especially from scratch, you're not coming in. It's not even, and we'll get to where we're at today, but it's not even close to what you're dealing with even now. I mean, you're literally, you got nothing when you're starting. You got no players. You got, uh, you're just building a coaching staff. What was that
1: like? Well, it was, it was, it was quite unique. And as a young assistant, I just kind of followed Bob's lead. And, and he basically said, here are the keys. Go find a whole bunch of players. And, (laughs) and that's, and, and, and he taught me along the way, what he what he looked for, what what he wanted to do, how he wanted to model the organization, what type of style stylistically, what we wanted to do, and find those players that did it. We had an expansion draft, so that was good. The player procurement system was much different then than it is now. We had tenders and and we had protected teams and and so forth. So it was a little bit easier, uh, uh, a little bit easier in terms of building because there were there were things there. That were available that you could pick and choose your players before it got into an entry draft system.
0: The uh, you you're there obviously during that time most famous player obviously is, is Thomas Vanek right everybody longtime Stampede uh, listeners and fans know Thomas Vanek. Um, talk about bringing Thomas here. It's a, a little bit of a unique story and finding him and and how did that come to, to bringing Thomas to to Sioux Falls, South Dakota
1: uh that was a unique story. That was our first year. Uh, I happened to be out uh, on the road again I was into I was in Plymouth, Michigan and watching the then North American League showcase. Uh, the Rochester Junior Americans had a had a team in the North American League at that time and I think they were might have been an expansion team mm-hmm. as well And sure enough, I'm sitting there watching and there is a 14 year old young man on the ice that was, electric. Like you couldn't take your eyes off him despite the fact that he was 14 playing against 16 to 20 year olds. I didn't think too much about it. I'm, you know, other than this is a really good player. Uh, I get back in to the office the next week and coach Motzko poked his head around the corner and said, Hey, do you, do you know this Vanek? And I said, immediately I said, take him right now. <laughs> and <laughs> it kind of Bob did his magic and and we were fortunate enough there was some hesitation on Thomas's part because he you know he was leaving a tough situation of an expansion team there in which wasn't fulfilling his academic and hockey needs sure. towards coming to an expansion team with us but uh bob pulled his magic from there but it was a quick yes we're going to get him and then he p- poked his head around the corner shortly after a couple phone calls he goes i are you sure he's right i go bob take him now <laughs> and <laughs> and we were fortunate enough to get him and uh um it's been it's been great to follow his career. Uh, yeah. you know he's retired now and now he's coaching. I'm going to see I'm going to see him and his son uh next week actually. Yeah,
0: that's that's uh, special and and cool to see that he's still obviously heavily involved with hockey. Um y- you mentioned, you know, take him right now, you saw what, what I mean cuz he was what six, fifteen, sixteen 15 16 years old when he, at, he, at the time when you He was actually 14, 14 years old okay, playing yeah. junior
1: hockey. That wouldn't be allowed at this yeah, this day right. and age. Like it was and it was, it was a tall, gangly young man, and, uh, but each and every time he was on the ice, uh, he had the puck, and the puck, the puck came to him, and he found spots and areas. And he just showed an immense feel and sense for the game that, that stood out even against older players. And uh, he was having success there as well. You know, they, they, to their credit in Rochester, they did play him uh, on the power play, so it was very easy and recognizable to see him on some of the things he did, and and even when he came in for the second half of us, and he just turned 15, for the second half of the season with us, uh, you you saw that that there was something special there that was different than other. Fifteen-year-old players,
0: yeah, and obviously developed it. And I wasn't here when he played, but uh, from the stories that I hear, I mean, he he almost would make things look effortless in this league. I mean, and and obviously the league's grown even more, but back then was still a pretty darn good league. And and sometimes it looked like he wasn't, he was just almost toying with guys out there.
1: Yeah, it was, and and Thomas, and this this stayed throughout his whole career. He was highly, highly intelligent, and to the naked eye, to the to the. To the untrained observer, it looked like he wasn't working, or wasn't competing, or wasn't doing things. But if if you, I bet you now, video was probably his greatest friend because he was always in pretty good positions. And when a puck needed to get out of the zone, it usually did get out of the zone. Uh, he wasn't the he wasn't a forechecker. He wasn't that. Mm-hmm. He was just there to score and make plays, and that's what he did. And it, it was time. There were times in which, and I remember Bob telling the story, and I remember it vividly when we were in the playoffs that year. Um, when he got the puck, the, the reaction on the bench was, was something special because I remember vividly him getting the puck down the wall and the whole bench stood up in the neutral zone, just something like, Oh, something special may happen. It, yeah. it, it was, it was, uh, it's exciting to see all the success he had and and how it started here in Sioux Falls.
0: What do you, what do you remember about uh, just those first couple seasons playing here in, in Sioux Falls, the old Sioux Falls arena? Um, obviously at the time, you know, nobody really knew what hockey was. I remember, uh, you know, I remember Jim Laureate, uh, president, uh, telling me that, um, you know, people were cheering for icing and offside. They had no idea what was going on. What was it like being on the bench? And, and at the same time, you're growing the sport. It had to be fun to, to teach uh, all these people because it certainly started to grow as, as the seasons went on. On.
1: You know what? It, it was different, and and it, it was a little. I was a little taken back, being that it's so close to Minnesota, yet that And we someone
0: were, being from North Dakota, yeah, that
1: you're like, well, yeah, the, exactly. You so we, up with we it. were educating people on the game, and the first year, uh, the crowds were phenomenal. The first year, we were educating people, and I think it, it was it was not only uh, a great social avenue for 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 the city and what it became, but it also it turned people on to hockey. And to think where. Where youth hockey and the resources that we had when we started here in Sioux Falls to where they are now, um, that's a tribute to, to to this this organization where it's grown. And you're starting to see Division One players come out of here, and you're starting to see youth hockey explode. And and you know any time that you can create you you can create a love for the game, you immediately create fans for the mm-hmm. game. And if you take a look and see where, where the city is right now in terms of hockey, it's pretty special that, that we had a hand in starting that that yeah. many years ago.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so then, you know, just kind of finishing up your, your your first time with Sioux Falls, but, you know, Bob Leaves, you get, in a, you get an opportunity. You were, what, 25 I was at the 25 time? I was
1: 25 years old, and in hindsight, way too young. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't the – I tell people this and we joke about it all the time. I was – at 25 years old, the the hockey aspects I was fine with in terms of coaching, in terms of 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 putting together systems and putting together a game plan, uh, in terms of the, the recruiting that we had done that far thus far, we we had a very good team my first year. Uh, the hockey parts of it were just fine. Mm-hmm. It, it was the other part that you need experience for, uh, the dealing with with the agents, the dealing with with housing parents, the dealing with. With the business aspects, that's where I was, you know, thrown into the deep end of the pool. And you know, a couple of years here doing that, it it didn't work out. We're around five hundred my second year, but it it it, it certainly was a great learning experience. And and you know, I'm sure there's about eight thousand sports books that can tell you you haven't. It's hard to succeed unless you've learned unless you've failed. And that's you know, I don't. Failure it was five hundred at that time. That's yeah. the bar was set pretty high. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's a that's a tough. But uh, to your credit too. I mean, obviously uh, y- you uh, um, you move on and and probably not happy at the time. But obviously the stampede still. You're here back today, which we'll get to in a minute. But you know, uh, had a special place in your heart. You obviously really valued your time here and in, in opportunity in Sioux Falls,
1: without question. And and you know, even though I was 25, 26, turning 27 like I understand that it's a business it, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't something my relationship with the people that both hired me and 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 asked me to move move on stayed the same I understood it and that's part of the game and I think that maybe came from my background sure growing up in a hockey environment and you know, it allowed me, afforded me an opportunity to to get into college hockey with with one of the top coaches in in the game today, and Nate Lehman at at Union College, where we started a building process at Union College for the next two three years. So,
0: and and your time there, what what did you learn most from him? What did you learn while you were there that you think you know has really helped you to, to get where you're at today?
1: Well, you know, I, I worked for for Bob uh, earlier, and I've worked I worked for Nate shortly thereafter, and and the, they. They both have a high, high passion for the game, but they both went about the how they built their teams quite differently. So it gave me a different perspective. Sure. And uh, you know, unfortunately, we couldn't at this at the time. We were not able to recruit the top top players. Right. We had to concentrate more on on those intangibles and and finding someone under a, under a rock somewhere. And uh, we worked ext- and we didn't have the resources at that 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 we're used to even here. Sure. Uh so it it was uh it was a challenge and, and it was a learning process. But after a couple three seasons we we started to get it rolling. And it took three recruiting classes and then our last recruiting class was the first that made it to the national tournament for union. And they built on that uh two years later and won a national championship, which is unbelievable. And and Nate had moved I had moved on from that time. Nate had moved on from that time, but the foundation what 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 we built and and Nate really did a great job in terms of the facilities he upgraded everything and 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 made it a division 1 sport there so it, it was it was a great learning experience from a building standpoint
0: we're, uh, this is Herd Mentality with Jimmy O, part of the uh, Pull Tab Sports family here. We're talking with Tony Gasparini, general manager of the Sioux Falls Stampede, and um, kind of getting a background on Tony, such an interesting uh, background that you have in hockey. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of go in order. Okay, you're at Union College. You mentioned you spent two years. Now... Um, L.A. Kings come calling. How, how did that come about, and 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 how did you know you were ready to maybe get out of the coaching part of it and, and more into the scouting part?
1: Well, actually, you know what? I had a young family. I had two. I had two kids under the age of one and a half, and my wife and I were out in New York. And I actually was looking. I someone came. I had an opportunity to work outside hockey, and I chose to make that. You know, make that jump sure. uh, to move back. Uh, to Sioux Falls, if you can believe it, hmm. uh, to work with an orthopedic company. Uh, the moment that it that that it hit that I was leaving, um, I got a call from several teams that said, "Hey, would you like to scout part time?" And I said, "Oh, sure." You know, yeah. I cleared it with my boss, and and he said, "Oh, sure." You know, that works out. And within a month, they said, "Well, we're gonna." We should do this full-time. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I just took a job. Let me. I can do both for a year. Right, it's fine. Right. Uh, obviously, once again, hockey pulled me back in. <laughs> so um, that part-time job for a month turned into a full-time job and turned into an 18-year career with the L.A. Kings. And it just grew and grew and grew to the point in which I, I was covering the United States first and foremost, but also at the end I was covering the, the, the world.
0: You have, uh, obviously you talked about uh, a couple of your mentors coaching, uh, interesting in the scouting world, you're starting out and obviously, you know, you, you weren't new to looking at players, but it's a new position. Was there anybody that kind of took you under your wing or how, how does that work in the scouting world? Are you kind of on your own? Cause I know you guys are all friends and you, but at the same time there's competition too, right? And, and, uh, you're, you're competing, looking for guys uh, that other teams are looking at too.
1: You, you know, I, I was fortunate enough. I, I worked for three different general managers in LA. And uh, all three really good people. Uh, but Dean Lombardi came in basically about a year and a half or yeah, about a year and a half into my tenure with L.A. And he had a very defined and pointed way of how we wanted things done from a scouting aspect. He understand that that was the building that those were the building blocks of the fo- of your organization and the foundation on how we're going to build because L.A. was struggling at the time. How we're going to build this team and how we're going to build this organization through the draft, through scouting, through player procurement, and he really, he really made a, an impression on all of us. There were only three or four of us that remained after the changeover um, towards building a team. So he, he had, you know, he, he certainly mentored a lot of us there on how to build. This is how we're going to build our organization through the draft. These are the traits that we are going to look for. This is going to be the definition of what an LA King is.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool, and and obviously you guys had success there. I know for you too. You kind of obviously you moved up the ranks, right? So what when you started, um, what were your responsibilities, and and how long into it till you started, you know, getting additional responsibilities? And What does that include as a scout for an NHL team? Well,
1: basically, I started out in an area. I started out in Minnesota, uh, Western uh, Western College Hockey, and the and the United States Hockey League, and. And that grew to the United States. Then that grew towards crossing over into the CHL and Canada and all the different various leagues. And then it ultimately, the last, you know, little while, eight years maybe, grew into, um, you know, going to Europe, going to Russia, going to all these other countries for the big events in addition to just going over for an extended period of time where you're watching them in, in league play. So... Uh, at various points during that time there was college free agency as well uh, but you know I, I was I was fortunate enough to hire an assistant coach that I hired here uh, with me in LA for the past six years seven years so that actually helped ease the load yeah
0: and uh, certainly you know that that's a lot of you got a lot of travel a lot of players to look for um, what uh, what did you enjoy most about uh, being at the NHL level just scouting
1: you know, I I think when you're looking at the, when you're when you're dealing with uh, the top players within a, a couple year age group, it, it was it was highly rewarding to see uh, those types of players and see where they moved on to and the success they had. You're 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 evaluating degrees of good because they're all very good, mm-hmm. and in some cases, you're evaluating degrees of excellent. And the the decisions that you were making were 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 million type dollar decisions because of where we were where we were uh, placed in the draft while we were building so there was a lot of responsibility on it and it was a it was a, it was i i loved the camaraderie that we had in a very small staff and we kept it somewhat small mostly almost throughout the duration of my time in la and and we were very much like a small family and and like any family there were there were there were discussions and and about players because everyone has opinions, but there was, there was a level of re- when we were cooking and when we were having a high amount of success with our drafts, there was a level of respect there that, that we, when we walked out of the room, it was unified, and it was, it was something special to be, and then obviously, of course, to see our, the fruits of our labor turn into what was you know, several good runs for Stanley Cups and, and about a six-year span in which we were one of the top organizations in, in, in the league. What uh, – just curious
0: because I don't even know. Like, so how many scouts do the L.A. Kings have – uh, on average, and, and can you take us through the draft process of when you guys all get together and, and collaborate? Because obviously you mentioned everyone's got different opinions. I know you can't be everywhere, so certain scouts are watching other places, but what is that like, and does that get a little uh, tense at times too? Because uh, obviously uh, everybody's going to have their own opinion on things.
1: Well, I think so. I mean, uh, in terms of a scouting staff, I think we operated for about 10 years at about, with about eight, okay. which, was, which is quite low. Sure. Uh, You know, that was Dean's philosophy. Keep. Let's let's have eight guys. And that's going to allow us for um, some some freedom in regards to our budget on when and where we can go. Um, It was actually quite fun because with eight guys, a little more manageable, a little more manageable. One and two, when I needed to be somewhere, I just got somewhere and there was some flexibility there uh scouting staffs in the national hockey league go from you know eight you know eight was usually one of the smaller ones up to 25. Wow. so it depends there was a lot of different philosophies on how to do it and there's no right or wrong way mm-hmm. it's just whatever worked eight or nine worked for our group really really well uh in terms of our you know we would meet two to three times a year and then with the last one being quite long uh leading up to the draft and uh dean God bless him. He was infamous. We, we, I, there were some very, very late nights <laughs> I mean, because, uh, and you know, it, people don't realize this. And he would never say anything. He was ahead of the curve. Everything that we do today, that 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 you have companies coming up and analytic, uh, and tying analytics into to hockey and everything. He he was one step ahead. We were doing that way back when, and when we were having success. Obviously, not at the same spectrum but we were doing it and it was just, it was such a learning process.
0: Uh, You obviously played a big part in a couple of Stanley cups. So what did that feel like? What was, what was that like? What do you remember most of your time with uh, not, you obviously had some really good teams, but two really, really good years.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, it was special. And uh, you know, not all organizations are the same, uh, but because we had a small staff, because Dean placed such an emphasis uh, on our scouting department Uh, both amateur and pro and our development side, which was new to that at that time, uh, we were, we were right there. We were on the ice after we were in the locker room after we had full access to, to, to our players and our, and our group because it was somewhat small. You know, he encouraged us to go talk to the guys that we drafted and scouted. He encouraged our relationships. It was, he wanted a very family close knit group and and it and it really was it really was, and uh you know unfortunately when i when I took this job, I missed our two thousand and twelve reunion, and almost all every player, every member of the staff, some of the scouting staff, everything came back for that reunion and it was they just clicked again yeah and uh so hopefully they do it in four, <laughs> hopefully they do it in two years again, yeah. but it was it was a great it, it was it was something that you'd you'd never forget in in your life i mean holding i got i was fortunate enough to hold the cup. At, on the ice in LA it was something else and yeah. fortunate enough to do it twice actually so
0: yeah and and obviously uh, you know well, I've been a f- uh, not quite to the same magnitude but a, a part of some Clark Cups and I think um, you know, when you win a championship, right, it's uh, it's obviously special when you're part of the team. But for you, too, it has to be. I mean, you played a big part. I mean, the, the guys that are out there, you, you played a part in, in bringing, too. So um, you had to have a little sense of pride, too, and, and almost like a, a proud dad watching that at that moment, too.
1: It was. It was. Uh, especially, uh, you know, especially, you know, uh, especially seeing some of the players that you had a hand bringing in, uh, going on to have success in those biggest moments, you know. Of the game, it it was you did feel like uh, like a proud father that that helped build something and bring certain individuals into the into the fold, and we did it as a staff. The, the cool thing was there were there was no I. It was it was a we mm-hmm. for about ten years there. It was a we
0: uh also okay before we jump into to the stampede let's let's talk about your family because uh you know as, as you're talking about the the travel and what have you um uh, obviously you've been you've been busy but you have kids they're uh they're athletes you you must have a very understanding and great wife that
1: uh well, that is <laughs> jim i overachieved in the biggest <laughs> way <laughs> and so, you know what we have uh her family my in-laws are, are extended family. Like mm-hmm. it is, it truly takes a village. And uh, yes, my wife is complete, unbelievably understanding. And and uh, obviously where did you meet your wife? At college. At college, uh, okay. at college. Yeah, she was a much better athlete than I was. She was an all-American <laughs> at Duluth in volleyball. So gotcha. She was a much better <laughs> athlete than I was, and uh, quite competitive as well. She, but she, you know, she won't tell you that, but she <laughs> is. But,
0: but, well. Well, how about your kids? Because obviously we know Mario is here for for a season. I know he's still playing hockey, but uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your kids and what they're doing right now.
1: Yep, Mario is in his last year of junior hockey. He signed his NLI. He's going to go play at the University of Vermont next year. He played one year in Sioux Falls and then started in Tri-City a year ago, but uh, needed to be playing a little bit on a more regular basis and Mm -hmm. uh, went out to Wanachi last year. Uh, had a great year, uh, thought he was coming back to the league, but he said, nope, Dad, I'm staying in Wenatchee, and we're going yeah. to have a team here, and they do have a quite a good team. So uh, he's stayed out there for his third year of junior hockey, and he's headed out to the University of Vermont next year. That's awesome. my, my daughter is a freshman hockey player at uh, Gustavus. Uh, they are a really good Division Three women's team. Uh, they finished second uh, a year ago in the national sure. tournament, lost an OT. Oh, wow. And they're I think they're ranked number one right now. I, they do have one loss, which is kind of rare, but it they do have a loss. They just came back from Europe. They played the Austrian national team twice and beat them twice. Wow, what so. an
0: experience. What was that experience like for her?
1: She just came back. She came back yesterday, and the flight got delayed. It was a 49-hour <laughs> ordeal getting back to Minneapolis and she had to quickly go back to school. But she said it was an unbelievable experience. You know, they went through Austria, uh, Germany and Italy and they had a great time.
0: And what position does she play?
1: Uh, All of them. She just runs. Yeah, she's got her mom's competitiveness in the biggest (laughs) way and uh, very good student. Very proud of her because she's really worked hard uh, to be part of that group there. Awesome. And my youngest uh, wanted nothing to do with with hockey, I think he'd been dragged to the rink too much. Yeah, that happens. And, uh, you know, he is quite an accomplished gymnast. Uh, he's a level 10 gymnast. And Amazing. he was one of the youngest uh, at, at nationals for level, and that's the highest level. I know nothing about gymnastics <laughs> other than I'm supportive. And, yeah, 100%. But I, he was one well, of the youngest. I'm young- guessing,
0: no offense, but you mentioned your wife, the athleticism. I'm, I'm assuming – the gymnast, you're pretty athletic. You might have got that from from mom, right? Yeah, oh, <laughs> big time got that
1: from mom. But he, he's he's uh, he's he's quite good and proud of him. Very proud of him. And so he was one of the youngest at nationals last year. And you know he's continuing on. And uh, like I said, Jim, it, it's 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 twenty five hours a week for him. And yeah. the boys, it's the girls, it's it's a sprint because of the age thing with the boys it's more a marathon because the when you see them at the highest levels they're they're in their mid-20s or early 20s sure so uh he he has a passion for it and it's awesome to see him uh how 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 engaged he is with it and it, it it's it's all it's 12 months a year there's a few weeks off here and there but like I said it it goes from 20 to Thirty hours a week, in which he's in there training, and he absolutely loves it. And we love that he's got his license now too, so we don't have to drive <laughs> him back and forth.
0: No, that's very good too. So, what what is that? Uh, what is the competition like? Is he going? Is there stuff regionally in Minnesota? Is he traveling all over the country every weekend? What is that like?
1: Well, it's it, basically how it works is the meat season starts up right now. Uh, we are in January, and now the meat season okay. starts, and it goes. So he'll have meats – I think his first one's down at the University of Iowa. Is that Corville? Is that yep. University mm-hmm. of Iowa? University of Iowa. He's in Vegas. Um, uh, he's at University of Nebraska. Uh, uh, and then I believe nationals. Uh, and then there's re- state, regional, and nationals. And I, I don't know where those are sure. right now. But uh, during the COVID year, everything was shut down. So they were in Florida and Texas quite a bit for, for meets. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's quite competitive. And when... When nationals are over, there there there's always a few collegiate camps to go mm-hmm. to, and now that he's starting to get into that age, he yeah. he will go to those, and then basically all of summer leading up until December, those are that is when you're implementing all your new skills. Yeah, and it's it's a process. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm curious, so how did he get into to gymnastics? Because your wife, you said, it was volleyball and, and yeah. air hockey, and th- it was just something he came across. And
1: No, you know what it was? Uh, when they were younger, I think my daughter wanted to give it a try. And, oh, she's going to get mad if she hears this story. <laughs> she wanted to give it a try. And right during the same time, they had a beginner's class for boys, sure. and they're always looking for, for yep. boys to do it. And it was like twenty dollars a week or twenty dollars a month or something. It was just to get sure. him in. And after a few months, my daughter, who is hilarious, said, "You know, you know, mom, my body just doesn't bend that way." <laughs> but my son Sergio loved it, and yeah. he's quite a good little athlete. And the, the years of gymnastics training only, you know, in, grew that athleticism. And and some of the stuff he's doing now is. Yeah, that's it's, awesome. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive.
0: Very cool. Well, uh, good to hear the families. Uh, the family's doing well. Um, continuing our conversation with with your journey back here too. So you're obviously with the LA Kings. Um, you know, a couple uh, Stanley Cup championships, uh, uh, and then you know Sioux Falls comes calling, and. Uh, Certainly, it's, there's not a lot. Uh, you know, you're in the NHL. People probably think, well, why would you want to come to the USHL? And, and I know you also had a couple other opportunities, too, you were looking at. So what was it about the Stampede uh, that, that made you decide, you know what, this is the right time for me, and, and I do want to come back?
1: You know, I, there was a few opportunities. I thought about getting back into coaching, which I had quite a few opportunities over the years while I was with L.A. to get back into. But I think what what drew me... Towards the Sioux Falls Stampede, where the people that are involved in it, uh, the opportunity to take an organization that I that I that I that I had and I, that I had a special place in my heart a heart in. Um, it was one of my first. It was my first opportunity in hockey, and the people involved in this organization are, they deserve a winner. And uh, it's always been. I've always had a fondness for the city of Sioux Falls. I've always had passion for the Stampede. And it was an opportunity to, 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 to build an organization, not from the ground up because the foundation is here, mm-hmm. but it build an organization that has had a couple tough years prior to. And, and to put it back on the map and, and in terms of the hockey world in, in which it can be a destination spot for players from around the world. Uh, because unfortunately that reputation uh, had been tarnished a little bit because of the lack of development with the players that had been here in the past. So, it's a unique opportunity to, to build something from, from the start and have your hands in a lot of different areas in order to, to have it grow into what we hope is going to be the premier organization within this league and in North America and junior hockey.
0: Well, it's interesting because uh, obviously I was a part of uh, the process too. And one of the discussions we had with ownership was, you know, we had always had general manager, head coach is the same position, which for many years was very standard. I would say now uh, I think there's maybe only one or two teams that maybe even still do that. Uh, What has changed so much and why do you think it is important that you kind of separate those? Because it is a lot to take on.
1: It it really is. And I think when you take a look at what's transpired in the league and you you're 100 percent correct. For many years, it's been the the combo title, and uh, now, if you take a look in within the league, because of how the league has grown, because how player procurement has grown, because of how we get players into this league, you have to you have to separate it. And most teams have separated it. And like I said, I think there's only one or two that are left. Um, so a lot of it has to do with the fact that. As the league has grown and as the USHL has put itself into the top 14, four leagues in North America in terms of development, the scope in which you're the player pool in which you're drawing from has increased exponentially. And mm-hmm. it's over in Europe, and it's here, and it's in Canada, and it's in, obviously in the United States, a big part of it. And to do that, you, you need to be out and you need to be cultivating relationships and and finding players and attracting players and doing and making sure that in our case that development is is at the forefront of what we want to do and how we want to do things because ultimately development translates into winning but development also if by generating by by establishing yourself as an organization that, does, that puts development first and by establishing your organization as, as a team that, that does the things right from a day-to-day basis from a development standpoint, winning is a byproduct, but also you're going to start to attract players at the highest caliber because mm-hmm. they want to be here for that reason because they know, and, and you know, I'm, this is the, the reality of things, and their agents know yep. that you're in good hands and although there's gonna it's not a smooth ride, there's bumps and hills and valleys, peaks and valleys, you're going to get there in the end and you're surrounded by good people. Uh, you mentioned the
0: player agents I know that that's a big part of it how much has that changed from when you started to to where we're at now because uh, that in itself and and some for good right but now um, used to be in the days you had mom and dad and you're chirping in your ear that my kids not playing this might be up well now you have agents that have kind of invested in these players too Um, they want to see their player play but they're also going to have those dad goggles on so to speak right that they're not maybe seeing the the scope of things and and why maybe they're not playing or, or why they they might be on a certain line
1: it, it's part of the process in the game now and whether it's good whether it's bad it we, we don't we have' no say in it mm-hmm. it's part of the process that is how they're making their that's how they're generating that's how that's their livelihood towards gathering young prospects and 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 putting them as advisors because they're going to college or agents they're mm-hmm. they're, they're helping them out in hopes that they can move on to professional hockey where they make their their livelihood so it's part of the process and it would be you just can't ignore it and and it has changed exponentially like i can't tell you uh, i can i can count on one hand the first few years when in which i was here both as an assistant and and as a matter, in which our interactions with agents were more than a few sure agents that's it yeah now it's it's every it's every player seems mm-hmm. to have one and and you just you know Thus far, it's been, that has been something that I was a little bit shocked on when I came back to do this because, of course, I dealt with agents from a drafting standpoint and mm-hmm. in the National Hockey League, and especially during the college uh, free agent recruiting process. But I didn't know how involved they were, and it's 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 constantly uh, having an open line of communication. And one thing that they've learned from me is that I'm very open and honest in regards to sure. telling them what's going on and and keeping them apprised about the situation and. And I found that being out ahead of things uh, seems to be the best way to go. The, uh, you mentioned kind of the individual skills.
0: I know this year we're doing, uh, you know, pod sessions, uh, practices a little bit longer. You're doing smaller sessions. Um, for fans, tell us a little, what does that involve and, and why is that important in, in helping uh, not only the player development, but obviously translating into helping hopefully the team get better and, and win games?
1: Well, you know, this is a league. This is this is a league in which, if you take a look at the season, um, it's basically two seasons. There's the first half and then the second half. The teams that do a really good job in in regards to development uh, uh, are the ones that are consistently improving over the course of the season, and you see that growth throughout the year. And if you take a look at Sioux City as a great example last year, they were good, they were good, they were good, and then bam. Towards the second half of that year, they were outstanding and went on a run that that eventually ended up with them winning the, winning the championship. By concentrating on development, by concentrating on the things that you need to do on a daily basis on like a week-y, sk- weekly schedule and I'll get into our pods, you, you're concentrating on making sure that your team is going to keep improving throughout the year. And that is the end goal, you know. You, how much talent you have, how much ability you have, all the intangible factors about what your team, how cohesive it is, how much they like to be around each other and so forth, that all implements it. But you have to be concentrated on improving each and every day throughout the season in order to be playing your best hockey the last 25 games of the year to give yourself a chance to have the end rewards. Now, we do that through our pod system, Jim, and and we've shortened our practice time down, but we've also increased our ice time because – our defensemen are out in one session, our forwards are out in one session We're, uh, in regards to focusing on individual skill things that they can implement into the overall game of the team. So they're on the ice uh, two to three times. I'm sorry, like it usually is a Monday, Wednesday or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at the beginning of the year in which they're on the ice for 45 minutes. They're off. They're into the workout room, weight room, I should say, with our strength training coach. We've implemented video sessions Uh, every day. Our players, uh, uh, we have a video session, especially on Tuesdays and Thursdays now. Uh, The advent of of them teaching, kids are visual learners now because they they all have phones. Mm -hmm. The amount of video our coaching staff does, and, and in particular Ray as well, setting it all up is is unbelievable towards their development it's about them learning and developing and they can do that now through visualization and with the with the advent of video and being able to do that stuff
0: uh you you speak of the staff and it, and it was a unique situation this year too right because I, I think maybe people forget too but of how everything kind of transpired but you come in uh, basically right after the, the draft had had taken place so um, you weren't uh, directly involved really with, with drafting the team you come in um, and then you've got obviously some some decisions to make and, and I know to your credit because uh, we talked to you about it that you'd you know, have the opportunity whatever you think and, and you wanted to kind of evaluate things and um, see what where they're at and see if maybe something would work. Um, How difficult was it for that and, and and trying to make uh, the decision of, you know, maybe making some changes and um, you know, getting things in the, getting, you know, getting things in the right direction, the way you want it to go.
1: Well, it's incredibly difficult and, and there was an evaluation period and, and to see if, if, if my vision and goals and how I wanted to do things were going to align with 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 what was here, and if we can implement it and integrate it together, um, it's a very hard decision because you're you're dealing with really good people, and mm-hmm. you know a lot of the, you know really good people, and some sometimes friends as well. So, but it is a business, and and I just felt like starting from scratch was 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 going to be the best way to, to to reboot our organization and reboot our image and brand within the hockey community, which was important, um, and when we made that decision like i said we came in i came in after the nhl draft really and we inherited a group of young men and kids and some of them are are fitting in they could not fit in better Mm and how we want to do things and i think you start to see the the enthusiasm with our group coming to the rink every day and um a great story i got a side break here but yesterday we you know we got into the rink at 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 1 p.m and and we were supposed to practice at one thirty, and we've got our team on the ice at one, ready to go. And at five p.m., I'm I'm kicking kids out of the ring. <laughs> and and that, you know, I I asked some 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 people who were here before that wasn't the case before. Mm-hmm. And when when players and and people in that law lo- and then our kids and and players in that locker room want to be together and want to be together improving and want to be together staying on the ice longer and and working on individual skills and just hang hanging out together, you know that's a positive thing because they like coming to the rink every day that means that's a that's a reinforcement from our from looking at it from up top that's an enforcement on our coaching staff the environment that they've created in there that it's learning it's development and it's camaraderie within that group because they want to be together and it's important and how much success we we've had and how much success we're going to have down the road that's all part of it that we want to make sure to maintain that atmosphere in which our young men want to improve, are working hard to improve, but also want to be together at the rink yeah. because that's where you do improve.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's certainly been the case, and um, you know it's interesting uh, just the story of putting the team together too, and obviously you mentioned uh, you know coming in late and then we've got a head coach and Rob Rassi and he's ready to come here. And, you know, uh, it's your first year back. And we, I'm sure you're sitting back telling your wife, I've got it where I want. Everything's going well. All of a sudden Rob phones you and says, uh, I got an opportunity at the university <laughs> of Michigan. And, uh, you know, timing is never perfect. Right. But, uh, but certainly right before the season starts was, was, was less than ideal. What's your thought when that happens? And, and, uh, you know, moving forward, how fortunate do you feel that you were able to, to get the guy that we have? Right now, on Eric Rud on short notice, too.
1: Unbelievably fortunate, and uh, it w- it was a tough phone call. But you have to understand, when you hire good people, you're yeah. gonna lose good yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're happy for them, but at the same time, it's like yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. Rob Rob got the call, and I'm like, all right, Rob. I know you have to take this, so let's get that off the table right now. You're going home. You're going to the University of Michigan. I understand you have to take it. I got it. Yeah. But can you give me 48 hours before it gets out there, so I can I can Try to find a, a, an unbelievable replacement, and I was fortunate enough having a previous relationship with Eric, and and some of the dynamics changed within the organization in which we were able to to, to bring him into the fold, and it, it really is a home run. He is a premier coach in this league, and his his approach is uh, he and I are very similar in some respects, but very different personality wise, which I think is a very good yeah. combination because we do communicate so well even though we have different personalities sometimes and uh, I think it's been a great fit and, and and he is all on board in regards towards that development model and he has a very good understanding of of what it takes to succeed and win and he's had success everywhere he's been so it, it, it was fortunate. It was unfortunate to lose Rob, but we were very fortunate to to get Eric into the fold, and that that, that also goes for Ryan and 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 Willie too. You know, Ryan Ryan committed under Rob, so Ryan yeah. came into a situation. Ryan Carruthers, our, our assistant coach, he committed under Rob, and he had to. He didn't know me at all. He knew Rob a little bit, so he had to quickly find out and learn about Eric and myself. And he's been an unbelievably valuable asset to our organization. And he has a he's an elite hockey mind. And and he really fits in. And and Willie's done a phenomenal job from the Sioux Falls Power. Uh he's got a repertoire and he's got great communication skills and he's a little bit younger. So there there is that bridge mm-hmm. between the players and him that that comes into have comes into fold. And and lo and behold we got Ray. Yeah. And Ray is behind the scenes and not many people know who he is but he's he is our video coordinator. And Um, You know, there are a lot of times in which I've phoned Ray and say, hey, Ray, have we done this? Have we done this? Yep, got it done. He, he, He has a passion for the game. He has a passion for the organization. He has a passion for the people he's helping. And the guys love him. And he does a phenomenal job in regards to getting all of our video needs met. And being well, part of our group, and
0: tell us a little bit for for listeners, what does that entail? Because you say video coordinator, and okay. it's more than right just showing clips. He's it, doing quite a bit.
1: He is doing quite a bit. You know, our every every game that we play, our coaching staff and Ray have broken down. We know exactly where we've succeeded. We know exactly where we need to work, and that goes on a team basis. But that also goes down to each individual player. Their shifts are broken down, and we know exactly. Excuse me. We know exactly what's what's happening there. All of that work, all of that legwork to get to the point in which we can break not only a team game down but also on an individual basis for each and every player it takes a lot of computer work, and that's where Ray comes in. And all of that is all set up usually by the next day. Not only is it that, it's when you walk into our locker room and see all of our goals running on, on the TV from, or all the good plays running on the TV from the night before or the top goals in the NHL on our TV so the guys walk in and and. Instead of being on their phones or whatever, the phones go down. They're all talking about the plays that are on our TV in our in in our locker room. So it, it's the amount of times that Ray that I see players pop into our coach's office and say, "Guys, can, can I can I take a look at my shifts with you? Can I take a look at you know this sp- specific play in the game on this?" It, that is a learn. They're asking our players and are asking to learn how to learn how to get become better by and by video and mm-hmm. he is an integral part of our organization yeah
0: and it's uh, it, it's fun to see because i know he's also involved with the sioux falls flyers and that's yep. a, a new piece for them that they haven't had for even younger kids now yeah. and and it's amazing how much video has taken off right that you're you're even seeing you know 10 11 year old kids now watching maybe not you know some of their own video but uh but watching stampede highlights or nhl highlights but that's how they're learning as well
1: yeah and that's right now in our age that's that's how kids learn. You need to visualize, visually see it on the thing. That it's an easier than when we grew up, and it's on a whiteboard. Have been
0: so much smarter back then. Me, me too. I... <laughs> me too. <laughs> no, that's uh, it's cool. going. Well, and, and going back to the coaches real quick too, because I think it's it, it's such a unique story. You mentioned, you know, uh, Ryan Crothers. Uh, you know, you get him from from Charlotte, uh, kind of coming with with Rob, and then you had Brandon Wildung who was here, um, but they come together. Coach root comes in and they didn't know each other. So you have, you know, normally you, you get a coach and he brings his own staff in. Maybe you got one guy, you know, staying, but for the most part, he's usually got his own. These guys don't even know each other and, and how they've come together and gotten along. And, and coach says a lot about uh, the individuals that we have here. Doesn't it?
1: it? It really does. The synergy amongst the staff is uh, it's really important that that is very cohesive. And it is, and it, and it seemed very fluid right from the beginning mm-hmm. as well they were very open and honest and even though we're all different personalities and now we're starting to know each other's intricacies mm-hmm. and we know that Ray only orders chicken when he eats out and and <laughs> we give him one, but and we love him for it but the, it you can see that there's a bond there and that there's a common goal towards towards helping this group get better and that's every day hey right? we're going to get better today that that's the goal the goal isn't about wins losses whatever that's the end goal but the goal every day that we we try to do let's make them better today let's make them better today uh, i think that tempo or that that mindset was set in early after an early loss in which even my emotion was getting going we had a bad loss early in the year uh, we didn't play well we weren't prepared mm-hmm. goaltending wasn't great blah 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 we we had a bad game there's yep. 62 of them we're going to have them even my emotion got going on that whereas i walk in and i see I see Eric, and I go, no, we're not going to beat him up today. We're going to get better. It's going to be a hard practice, but we will get better. I go, perfect. You know, He's, yeah. he's got – that's what we need. We need our players to understand that, yes, there's going to be ups and downs. We will get better every day. And, and you need, you know, much like running a business, right? You, you need different personalities
0: because if everyone is in agreement or has the same attitude, if, if everyone's fired up when you come in, that's not a great thing either because uh, you might take the train in the, the wrong direction. You yep. need um, people that respect each other, which obviously they do, but it's nice to, to be able to say, hey, I think we should do it this way because typically the other person then might go, you know what? You're right. We should do yep. it this way.
1: Yep. I'm Italian. I got emotion. So <laughs> I get it. I, I get it. But you know there's one thing that that I've learned during this time and even during my my career in hockey thus far is is if there is that much emotion you just you have to take it you have to take one step back because mm-hmm. usually emotional decisions don't work out.
0: Yeah. So, and and it seems with coach Rude too one of the things I really like about him is Um, you know, he's pretty even keel, um, but he's going to yell at you when you need to. But he's the kind of coach that I think that that's a good thing, right? And that if Coach Rude gets, you know, a little boisterous or gets loud, the guys are going to take notice like, hey, coach coach isn't happy versus you have some coaches that if all they do is yell, I've seen it before. I think guys just kind of drown it out and by you get to midseason and you're just like, oh, big surprise. And it just doesn't translate to them.
1: Yeah, I, I I Perfect example with Eric because he's very even keeled and, and it's not to say he hasn't lost his temper at some point in time. And yes, he he, he, sometimes you have to, sometimes (laughs) you have to, and sometimes it's a positive response. And I just, when if, and mind you, you and I are behind the scenes and we get to open the door. They, what they, what, What our fans and what other people are starting to see is how well our coaches communicate with the players, and I Mm -hmm. think that's paramount in today's game. Because and
0: it's it's harder, isn't it? It it is harder. The kids, it's it's different.
1: The the kids have a lot. Our players have a lot of, a lot of people in their ear right now, Mm -hmm. and it's important that that if they can blank, if they can block out noise and just and listen to our staff, you know. Who care about them as 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 young men and care about their development and want them to have success more than anything, you know that's leading towards that development part as well.
0: Well, and and I and I always say this with with our league, which makes our league so great, is. Um, you know, the talent level we have. I mean, even the guy that might not get a ton of playing time or is kind of in and out of the lineup, he's still one of the top players in the country because there's only, uh, you know, 12 teams in the league. There's there's only so much room to, to bring in this talent. Um, but for these guys, it's an adjustment for a lot of them. And I think this year, again, we're seeing it, um, seeing the the progress. But I, I always say I think it's so hard to be a first-year player because I think people forget that, all the guys that are coming in were the best player on their team growing up. And whatever they came from, they were one of the best players. Probably, you know, not all, but, but most probably maybe big scorers. Uh, and then you get here, and, and for a lot of them, this is the first time they've really been challenged, and, and it's new to them. Because now all of a sudden, they might be playing on the third or fourth line or might not be on the power play, and and they're finding they're struggling because it's, it's hard to score a goal. Um, that's where coaching, I think, comes in, and, and you really have to kind of uh, – you know, help work with those players to get them through that. And and as a general manager and as a coach, you also have to have the vision, right? To see, does Bobby have what it takes? Is if we work with him, is he going to make it? Or maybe we misjudge, and maybe he's not ready yet. That's a tough, a tough thing to do too.
1: It is, and, and junior hockey is is hard. And in the USHL, it, it's it's on steroids because, uh, like I said, there, there's only X amount of teams here, and um, you know. The, the biggest step most of these players will take in their career, and there's two huge steps, the first one being from high school or midget hockey to the USHL. That is a monstrous step. That's that's like taking two steps mm-hmm. in one. And as a result, when you have that, it, there's adversity. Adversity will be there. And, and many times that's the first time adversity has hit these young men in terms of not having success, not having the same role, and so forth. The next big step, the step to college hockey from the USHL, depending upon your age, isn't as great as the the two steps they just took. But once you get to college hockey, the next big step is obviously to the National Hockey League, which is another two steps mm-hmm. with an American League in between. So, like, they're skipping two steps toward when they're making this transition, and and they're doing it at, a, at an impressionable age, age 16 to 20 years old, in which it's hard. and it And a lot of people, you know, Say, wow, he's a Division One player. Well, I'm. I'm unfortunately, just because you're a Division One player doesn't mean that you can have success in this league right yeah. away. And after two years, like your role may change. Uh, but the good thing about the USHL is, is that that colleges understand it. Um, colleges understand how hard it is to be a part of this league, and they understand that if you come into this league and have success, and success does not by any means means points all yeah, the time. 100%. It means means you are a productive player within this league, you will end up playing Division One hockey. And it's and it's almost a certainty. It's like a 98% certainty that that's it. it. It really is a certainty that you will have an opportunity to play Division One hockey if you come in this league and have success, not points. You're a productive mm-hmm. player. Yeah, and
0: you bring up a good point because I was just going to say, you know, there's been – plenty of uh, of players, Stampede, and other teams that we've seen that, um, you know, there's guys that have, have done really well that you think, boy, they're going to take off and they're going to be in the NHL and, and maybe they get a taste and they, they don't make it. There's But there's also been a lot of players that – maybe you don't notice as much just because they're a role player, they're working hard, they're grinding out. But those are the guys that end up playing in the NHL for 10 to 12 years, and, and they got it from from learning to play here. So even though you might not have 60 points, doesn't mean that you're not going to be a good player down the road.
1: Yeah, no question, no question. And roles start to get defined. The higher you go, roles start to get defined. And the players that embrace those roles and have success with those roles, sometimes that, that role can grow. But the ones that embrace it and accept it and, and, and thrive mm-hmm. in it, uh is certainly a it's an attribute moving forward as well uh let's uh before we wrap up here talk
0: a little bit about this year's team and and obviously uh you know you had a uh, a set of veterans coming back and and obviously the challenge with with them is not that they're not good players but you know they didn't have a lot of winning um, they haven't tasted it uh, uh, you mix them in with some new players um, and it, it's kind of a new process for everybody and and we kind of had our bumps early which was kind of to be expected a little up and down but certainly as we record this in, in early January and heading into the break and right out of the break you're starting to, to see the turn is, or is the team kind of where you were hoping it would be and, and starting to maybe turn the page and, and coming together like you had hoped at this point?
1: Well I hope so. And 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 part of the first thing was when we talked about development, we talked about that, we we also talked about culture. And and unfortunately the, the we had to change the culture here and how we approach the games. And when you when we took over at the time we did and we inherited the players that we had, we not only inherited players that that you know we we tried playing a different way as well. Eric's how Eric plays or how Eric and our coaching staff want us to play is a little bit different than what they played in the past. So there, there's going, when you take a look at the first half of the season, there was so much change for our players to adapt to that that there was going to be, there were going to be mm-hmm. bumps. There were going to be peaks and valleys in it. Uh, I think the good thing when you're looking at it right now is that we're a better team today than we were at the beginning yep. of the season. And I think that's a tribute to the coaching staff. And we're not only a better team, some of our individuals are really starting to show growth within their game and uh, you know I just you know we just had a couple of our players play at the World Junior Championship Mm -hmm. I had I shared four texts I got from from National Hockey League uh, scouts and one of them a general manager how much growth several of them showed in that and Mm -hmm. I immediately passed on to our coaches because that's a reflection of the job that they're doing. and. That's what we want to see. Are we right where we want it? Well, sure, we'd love to have a few more wins, but I yeah. do like the fact that we are getting better. And that's the process that we have to be stay concentrated on. And there's going to be a loss coming up. There's mm-hmm. going to be there's going to be a bad game coming up, yeah. but as long as we concentrate on getting better every day, we're, we'll be okay. Right. You know, and we'll we'll see where we are at the end. Right. And the and the, and my thought always has been, right? You
0: you um you know, even when Kevin Hartzell was here, I always remember he said he kind of took them in 10-game chunks and he wanted uh, every 10 games you're getting better so that, you know, you get to the, the playoff time and you're playing your best hockey, and obviously that's the mentality here, right, is yep. you continue to get better and, yeah, you're going to take some bumps, but you want to get into, to A, making the playoffs, and then you get to April and it's like, hey, we're really clicking, and then, you know, just like anything, you get into the dance and, and anything can happen.
1: Yeah, without question. It's the teams that, are, the teams that do the best – the teams that do the best job of development, the teams that do the best job of improvement, are the teams that you don't want to play at the mm-hmm. end of the year. Whether they you know, dug themselves too big a hole, but you don't want to play them at the end either because yeah. then they are a completely different team that is wrecking everyone's playoff chances, or it's the team that's getting into the playoffs and you don't want to play. Yeah. And uh, either way, the, the, from an organizational standpoint, from a five miles up, boy, they did a really good job towards developing. Their players got better. Their team got better. Uh, If the season were three weeks longer, they would be the team no one wants to play in the playoffs. That's the goal that you're looking for, just so that the environment and the perception of the organization is, is about doing the things, working hard, improving, communicating, and getting better. Yeah,
0: and, and certainly uh, you see that with the with the team, which is exciting. And um, also, you know, some, some additions that you've made too, because your job um, is difficult in that, you know, I think for fans, right, we want to win now. We want to win. We want to win the cup. Uh, for you, you want to win now, but you also got to look at it like, Yeah, but we also want to win next year and the year after. And so you're starting to build pieces. And it's been fun to see some players come in here because I know, uh, you know, they've contributed, which is great to see. But it's also you're looking at guys that maybe can help us a little bit now, but also that are going to be really good for us, you know, next year,
1: even the year after. Yeah. and, And that's when we talked earlier about the differences within the USHL when I first started to now and even tracking it 10 years ago to now. Uh, you know our our player procurement system is is by draft so when you have a player procurement system by draft and you have auxiliary lists which we have it's it's hard to snap your fingers and and quickly turn something from by shuffling in players a lot of different players and and changing the whole team over within a short period of time it's just not feasible because every team has a list of 45 players that are yeah. protected so You've got to be creative on how you, you you are making roster and procurement decisions on how we are going to improve not only in the short term but in the long term. And in a draft system, it, a lot of it's going to be predicated on how well you draft on building the foundation on the building blocks with those younger players coming in so that a year from now and two years from now and three years from now, we know what's going to be coming up into our organization through the draft because we drafted them two years ago. So it, it's, a, it's a you're giving and taking a little bit on how much you want. You know, I, I don't want I don't want this an organization that to be that has a ton of transactions because that's not stability. That's not doesn't promote stability, doesn't promote development. But I do want to constantly have an eye on not only in the short term, but the long term so that it's sustainable over a longer period of time. And the good organizations over the past few years have done just that. Well, and, we,
0: and we've seen down the trickle-down effect, too, right? And you have to prepare yourself because you're already looking at next year and you might be planning you know, on player A and B coming back, and all indications are they're coming back, and then all of a sudden you find out they're not coming back because they're going to college. And now, So that makes what you're doing now even more important, right, too, that you hope that they're going to be here selfishly, but at the same time, if you lose a forward, then that makes probably even more important that you got this other guy that's going to come up and maybe his role increases and maybe there's a little bit more. More pressure, but at least you you have someone so that you're not completely you know scrambling and now you have to try and make a, a big trade to get somebody in here.
1: Without question, I, I would. I, uh, I I can remember vividly and at the end of July, writing Carson Dorward. Dor, 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 yep. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to have him. He's yeah. Michigan State's <laughs> leading scorer, and he was coming back. Yeah. So I would have loved to have him in there and, and 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 a couple of the defections that not defections i should the couple of the players that did move on to college earlier than expected yeah were, were down the middle We're down the middle of the ice which is hard to replace yeah so um you know there are things that are going to transpire and i'm i've i've already got you know next this year next year the year after lineup already done and there's going to be so many changes on that that are out of our control but ultimately if we have players moving on to the next level and and they're having success at that next level, that's going to help us get the next one down the road. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Tony, uh, appreciate it. Knocked it out of the park. Best guest we've had uh, at all on this herd mentality uh, Set podcast. Set the bar low, Jim. Set <laughs> no, the bar low. <laughs> it was uh, very good. We're excited to, to have you here. You're doing great work. Keep it up and uh, appreciate the time, and we'll, we'll certainly have you on again. Sounds great.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: All right, a big thanks to Tony Gasparini for joining us here on the uh, inaugural Herd Mentality with Jimmy O and – uh, we're excited here as uh, part of the Stampede to have Tony Gasparini as general manager. You, you hear from just him talking gets you fired up and uh, ready for some Stampede hockey. Is uh, Tony some great knowledge, uh, amazing background in the sport, and uh, certainly knows what he's talking about. So I think you know the the future of Stampede hockey is certainly bright, and uh, we're excited to have him as a member of the uh, Stampede family once again. And thank him for uh, taking his time here on Herd Mentality with. Jimmy O, part of the Tab Sports family, and uh, we want to remind you, too, that uh, thanks to uh, one of our partners at Duke Cannon, uh, yes, the holidays have uh, maybe passed us by, but they still have some great uh, holiday collection feature scents that men actually like and packaged in keepsake boxes to be cherished for weeks. Remember, when you buy from uh, Duke Cannon, a portion of the proceeds benefit veterans and active-duty military they are f- well-known for, well, their big-ass bricks of soap. Yes, that's right. You can uh, celebrate uh, post-holiday season with some holiday themes still. The Illegally Cut Pine Soap, which is a fresh pine scent. Mall Santa's Cough Syrup Soap, which is peppermint candy cane scent. Uh, Rudolph's Much-Deserved Nightcap Soap. Cinnamon and Antique Wood Scent. They've got it all with uh, our friends from Duke Cannon. You can uh, purchase everything in the Duke Cannon Holiday Collection at Duke cannon.com you can also uh, visit any target store they're right there at target stores uh, all over the uh, sioux falls and south dakota and listening area check them out at uh, duke cannon uh We'll have more of these, uh, as mentioned in the open. Uh, we are uh, going to be trying to do a couple of months, maybe more, if, if I don't suck at this. So we'll uh, we'll see what uh, is in store. But we hope to uh, have Coach Eric Rude joining us soon. We're going to have some Stampede alumni players uh, joining us. So we're going to have some fun with it. Uh, we do certainly appreciate you tuning in here for the first ever podcast, one of hopefully many, and uh, appreciate your support. That's going to do it here for our podcast today. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in, and we'll talk to you again next time.